Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wired Access. We'll do it live. Wired Access. Do it live! Wired Access. Welcome to a Wired Access podcast, Heard at Productions. I'm your host, DJ K-Dub Omaha, and to my left, I have the great former Papillion La Vista coach of the Monarchs football team, Gene Sir. Gene, welcome to the show. Man, Thanks you are a legend me. in the area, and I know you. I know you're so humble. You don't want to talk about it. I remember your daughter, your family, and I only say that because I coached at Omaha South, was where I coached high school football, because um, that's where I went. And and right as I was getting out, she was coming in. And what I love about just your family is, it's about giving to these kids. Yeah, we, that's what it's all about, the coaching business, and that's the association that you develop with the, with the players that you work with and the kids that you work with. I mean, they they almost become – well, they do become family to you. So it's – it's you know, it, it makes it uh, makes it very rewarding. Well, and, and, of course, you were in the football game in the local area for 24-plus years, right? Yeah, I was, uh, I was at Papillion for 23 years, and I was at Omaha Gross for three years when I first got out of college. And when I graduated or from, from when I graduated, I went to Omaha Gross for three years. And then after after that, I got the head job in Ord, Nebraska. And so I went out state to uh, try to come back to Omaha to get a head job. I wanted to come back to Omaha and coach in Omaha. And, but I knew I had to prove myself. So I, we went out and uh, uh, moved out in the middle of the state of Nebraska and coached out there for five years. Well, and before you even get to your coaching part of your life, do you, what was like your favorite sports growing up? What was like your part of your memories when it came to the sporting world? Really about whatever sport was in season. You know, I loved, I loved all of them. I, uh, we played football, we played basketball. We didn't have wrestling when I was in school. It's a long time ago, but our school didn't have wrestling. We did have uh, basketball and track. We didn't have girls sports at that time. So you had a pep club, you know, I mean, it was, it was just a different world for, for what it is today. But, uh, uh, and when I grew up, it was just, uh, you know, I, I think as a kid, you know, I always wanted to be a pro football player. I want to be a pro basketball player, major league baseball. So the same dreams me. everybody wants. Yeah, everything. But did you ever know what it took to get to those levels? That was What was the idea back then, if you don't mind me asking? Do you remember any of that stuff? Well, you know, I was in a small town. Uh, we were, uh, the, the school had two schools in it, actually, uh, uh uh, private school and, uh, and the public school. And we were in a town of 1400 people. And so, uh, we, I guess the size of the town kind of told you where you were, you know, I mean, you might be good there, but where are you going to fit in? You know, how good are you going to be elsewhere? So, so we, we always did well at Creighton when I was there in the town that I grew up in. But, uh, as far as, uh, uh, 
going on and thinking on. I, I guess I just live day to day. And, and when you played all these sports, and obviously the best part about the small town of Creighton is they need you. They need the numbers. They need anybody that's right. there. So it also helps you um, stay connected, stay wanting to drive. When did it turn for you to go, okay, my day over. It's time to, it's time to take on a coaching role, teacher role. Well, that actually, it's, it's a, it actually happened to me when I was in the military more, more than anything. Uh, uh, I was wounded when I was in Vietnam and uh, pretty much ended my, my, uh, my playing career. And uh, at that time, I guess I decided then that, uh, you know, I want to be involved in athletics because it's been such an important part of my life. And really the real positive that I had in my life growing up has always been through athletics. And so for me to be in the situation that I was in, I just wanted to be a part of it. So when I got, got back and out of the service and stuff like that, I went back to school, I got my degree and I became, went on to coaching. Well, teaching and coaching, I should say. It's awesome that you said that the thing that you remember and that you fall back on is athletics. Do you feel like even to this day, those are just as important because there's so many avenues where they're trying to either get you to play basketball year round, baseball year round, football year round um, there. Do you feel like that's hurting that? drive to want to participate in all the sports like like we used to have well i i just don't know if if i think you grow up too fast doing that and you know you're focused on one sport we had some kids at our school even as small as we were that only played one sport but most of us played ever since we were little kids on the playground uh all the way up we played together and we just played sports and that's just what we did we never even you never even could thought about not playing you just went out. You just showed up when it's when it was time, and you went and you, and you participated. Yeah, so. it's 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 kind of scary because, like you said, it, it it almost makes you feel like if I don't make this jump to do it year round, I might not have an opportunity to play. But then I also miss out on the the things that you probably don't even everybody takes for granted because they don't remember. They're just like I remember playing basketball with the boys. I remember my team. I don't remember how many wins, how many losses. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you won a championship, you remember those. But if you're not a championship caliber team, you're remembering the people, the moments, the the teammates. But some of that gets lost when you go, okay, well, now I got to go just all baseball or now I got to all go. You kind of lose some of that connection. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you think like, yeah, I think the big thing is, is like as a, is, is being able to compete. And, and I think your competition comes with being in variety of sports. And I think today with recruiting now going on in the colleges and stuff, and, and I worked uh, four years at Wayne state college, uh, and we did, and we recruited, you know, high school athletes and stuff. But one of the things you really look for is are, do they play multiple sports? Are, are, are they involved in more than one sport? And, uh, you know, I, I really always encourage kids to, to participate in, in, in whatever they wanted to do. And, and, you know, if they wanted to focus on football, that's fine. But we, you know, uh, you could still do that and, and still participate in some of the other sports, just like you can in those other sports with, with football. So, you know, sometimes we have good football players, but they were great baseball players yeah, or basketball players, but they still played football and they still had, they still learned from football. Some of the skills that you learned in football, 
would carry over to baseball or basketball and vice versa? Well, I, I, I had the pleasure, you know, you always get those, those interviews where it's like someone, when I grew up that they would always be on my game. So one was Eric Strickland, a great Husker, but also a T-bird. So you might remember playing them in the nineties. No one knows that his best sport was football and he was the best football player, but because he realized that the time that he could play basketball would outlast football is why he went basketball. Like to know, like if you didn't try or didn't play those old other sports, you might not have known that, that you, you're not going to make it in your best sport all the time. It might not be the Avenue, but you still could have been the best football player. Yeah. I, I remember him in high school and we competed against him when, when he was at Bellevue West and uh, him not going out or, or not playing, I think it was his senior year. You know, I, I was disappointed in the fact that he didn't go ahead and continue to play there. I, we knew, we knew as football coaches in the Metro area, we knew he was, he was definitely a division one talent, but he was also in basketball and, and uh, basketball is going to have a, a longer life to it. The only thing that's different about it is there are limited numbers that compared to what you get in football. Yeah, that 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 is the one thing that I I love about football. Like, don't get me wrong, football is not for everybody. Right. But if you get kids that can stick through it all four years, and even if they don't play at the top level, but they're part of the varsity team, what are some of those memories like? that you remember of those athletes, maybe not the stars, maybe not the ones, but you guys got them from day one as a freshman coming in there, bright eyed, bushy tail, not knowing football, maybe even from the back end, but let alone you can get them to finish. Sometimes those are the bigger accolades than anything else. And they gain so much because you don't have to cut them like a basketball or like right. a baseball. Right. I, uh, I'm still to the day in touch with a lot of the uh, players that were on, teams that I coach that those those individuals never played a lot and if they did play it was during big blowouts or something like that uh but I stayed in touch with them communicated with them just like just like you would anybody else I mean they're just as important the thing that happens with with players that that uh, maybe not are playing a lot on Friday night but they are playing a lot on Monday Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday and they help prepare that team for Friday night and so they're very valuable to the team and we let them know you know, how valuable they are by, by what they do and the sample they set in practice and, and their attitudes. And, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I could, I could name off, you know, just off the top of my head, a number <laughs> of them that I'm still, still talk to today that, that didn't play a whole lot on the field. Once you earn that title coach, no matter at whatever level, what, what did that mean to you as you took over Papillion and we're starting to grow and, and build your regime there at Papillion. What was that part of it like? Cause sometimes people don't understand the hours, um, <laughs> the stresses, the, the late nights, the early mornings. Now at, at Omaha South, I've said it a couple of times on here. Like there's things as coaches that we had to do at Omaha South that you might not have experienced. Like we used to have to do bus routes for the summer or else we're not getting these kids to come in. Right. Like people don't understand some of the struggles that some of these schools have. And then you guys, obviously you're close knit. You guys are, are, you know, it's not kids from across the whole Omaha area. Right. You know, it, it, it's all local. You know that they're going to be able to ride a bike. They're going to be able to get there. Right. It, it, and, you know, I've said this a number of times that, that, for example, I, I, I talked not too long ago to Larry Martin at Omaha North. And, I, you know, the job that Larry's done over there at Omaha North is phenomenal. 
and the different circumstances that he has to deal with and the things that he dealt with, uh, I didn't deal with as when I was at Papillion. So it's, it's a different type of deal. I mean, as far as like where you're in an OPS situation where your players maybe not are, are, are geographically located close to where you're at. Whereas in most of our kids were in a close area. And if they weren't, we, we worked it out where they had rides to the weight room and rides to do whatever they had to do. So we could, we could keep them involved. Now, of course, from what I know of Papillion, I went there um, back in sixth and seventh grade. Um, it was in the middle of the nineties when you guys had players like Josh Sykes, John Gibson, all of them. When you think back to the mid nineties, when you guys were really hitting the ground running and, and showing the teams that you belong, the city feeling was something that is hard to explain to people. Like I remember going to these games, you wanted to be at the games on Friday night. And then after the game, you walk up to pizza hut, which is no longer there. Bless its heart. But like those little city things, some people just don't know what it's like or, and even to this day, I understand that we got the foundation field, but it's not the same. No, the no. atmosphere is not the same. Well, it's going to be really hard to replace. It was hard to replace the pit. And uh, we called it the snake pit. And I came in 1984. I came from, from Ord, Nebraska uh, to Papillion in, in 84. And I remember we were getting ready for pitchers day and, and we were down at the field the old field and they had the old bleachers and the players were setting up there because they were going to set us up to take some pictures. And I was walking across the field and a couple garter snakes had shot across in front of me as I was walking across the field, field needed mode at the time. And there's, I saw a couple snakes. So I, I thought, man, this, this is a good time to, to bring things up. I, so I went up to him and I said, listen, guys, you know, I went on and I named it the snake pit. And I said, this is the snake pit. And this is where all the memories and all the treasures of, of Monarch football is at. It's right here. And we've got legends that's, that's ghosts are out there, have been there on the field and legends to follow. And we have to continue these legends. And it's my goal here at Papillion to want every little kid all the way up to someday want to run out under the lights on the snake pit and play for the Monarchs. And it started that way. And the snake pit became a real big uh Big thing for our players because we didn't want to lose at home. Number one, if you could win at home, that's basically almost 500 seasons. That's right. Right that's there. Right. So you're really focused on, and we had a great record at home. And uh, so we just, that that was, that's how the snake pit got started. Next thing I know, they've got, they've got sweatshirts, t-shirts and stuff with the snake pit, with the snake coming out, all this. And it just turned into a really big deal. And then the last game that I coached at the pit, we had actually players that had played for me in years before that came down on the sideline for that game because it meant so much that this was the last game and those going to be played in the snake pit. So, so you, it was a big deal. You obviously brought up a big, important thing. What was that feeling, the emotions, the thoughts of the last game at the pit? Because like, if I think of just my feelings as a kid wanting to play there and knowing that this is the opportunity. Now I went to Omaha South, so that all went out of my mind. Like I forgot about the pit, you know, but then when I moved my family back to the area, it's like, man, I wish we could just have this for the Monarchs. And, and I know my kids are Titans, but that's doesn't matter. That pit is that important to the history. It really was. And the funny thing about it was the day after we played that game or the weekend after the weekend that we had played that game, 
they tore down the press box and and started tearing things down because they didn't want a strong people people getting behind to get a back to, to keep that field and to keep that for the old old pavilion and and not the new one because they'd already went through with the with the plans to build the new stadium. But the kids didn't want the kids wanted to play at the pit. That was our goal was to be at the pit. And then once we once we lost the pit, then we then of course you give in and you go up and you play it south. And now these kids that are are there now they don't they never played in the pit they don't understand they don't the understand. history of the pit so that you know foundation fields where they want to be so you think of the transformation of one school to two how did that affect the city the football the sports how did that affect you that you remember and i only bring it up because as we could see gretna is doing it will bennington be next will blair be the next places are growing cities people are wanting to be a part of these bigger I mean, Gretna was in the in the finals two years in a row, one at one. You know, those things are what people want to be a part of. What did you feel when uh, Papio South came along? Well, I was disappointed, obviously, because it was we had a good nucleus of players. We never, even in the time, I think the one year that uh, I can remember one year, I think we had 132 kids out for football that were uh, that were 10, 10 to 12. We were a 10 to 12 school at that time when I during this period. We had two ninth graders, so we had two ninth grade feeders, the La Vista one and the Papillion one. Well, then they split it up, and you went. Then you had the new school and the old school, and and uh, you know, obviously, you, you you know, you're not as strong because you lost your, some of the numbers. Some of your key players were gone, so so it's a it, you know, it's I don't know. I was disappointed, but uh, you got to grow, and life goes on, and and it grows, and then growth, and now who knows? They're probably probably down the road, there'll probably be another high school there. Well, and that's just it. I mean, lines get division divided up at weird areas. You probably had a few parents that even reached out and goes, okay, I I know I got moved to this side, but I like as a coach with your hands tied and not having any of those abilities, what is it like talking to some of these parents? Well, there's nothing you could do because it was in black and white. They didn't leave any gray area when they did the boundaries, the boundaries were done. So either you lived in Papillion in our area, old school area, and you played for them. But if you lived on the other side in the border, there's no way you're coming to our school. And that's just the way it was. Now, the first year, they allowed the seniors to stay, stay, stay that year. So we were still real solid with the group of seniors that year. But uh, then it went down and the, the numbers went, the numbers went down, the numbers of the school. Now, when I look at the schools now, both of them together, uh, looking at them, I know they put ninth graders in the building and and stuff like that. But the numbers that they have, ten through twelve, are basically a little bit more than what they had when I came to Papillion in nineteen eighty four. We didn't have <laughs> as many students then, so those two schools have grown a lot. And size wise, they're bigger than what they were when I first came into Papillion. When we really started busting out at the seams, it is it was in the nineties with the enrollments with classes getting so large and and different things like that. Of course, none of that really bothered me, but uh, obviously, <laughs> no, more, obviously more, the, more. there was obviously there were some other people that had other ideas. So of course, football has changed. Do you remember when you made the decision to say, all right, it's time to hang up those cleats, time to time, time to be dad, grandpa. Yeah. Well, husband, I, <laughs> every, father. every, uh, every year during the year, there's a time when we'd play Lincoln Southeast and a good friend of mine was Chuck Mazursky and, and uh, 
we'd get together in the middle of the field and we'd say, this is the last year. We're not doing this anymore. We're done. I'm done. I'm done. And then you'd come back the next year. So every year I, I went through, you, you work so hard and you put so many hours in. And I can't begin to tell you how many hours we put in because you would not believe what we did. I mean, we would, we would start work on a weekend to prepare for an opponent. We would come in at 8 o'clock on Saturday morning and go home somewhere around midnight and then be in Sunday morning and go home somewhere around six, five to six o'clock in the afternoon. And then we coach the rest of the week to prepare our team. So we put a lot of time in there. And when you put that kind of time in, invest that kind of time, you like to see some, some, uh, see what's happening with your product. So, so that, that, I guess just the time consumption that, that we put in was, was phenomenal. And, and, uh, it was, you know, on the other hand of it. And it's it, not, you're, you're not getting paid hourly. For no, those that don't no, know, no, like, no, no, no coach gets paid hourly. Not you even get, close. You get one lump sum yeah. of what you, and yes, they'll split it up, but this is, you know what you make, no matter yeah. how many hours you do. And yeah, let's, you, let's remind people there's spring workout, there's summer workout, sometimes two a days back in the day. Uh, that was one thing that my buddy Jeff, who was uh, back in the Monarchs, he goes, man, there was one time he made us just run with the cross-country boys, and we're like, we're not cross-country boys. <laughs> and he's like, I felt like I was just going to throw and then two a days. And, like, like there was so much more to football, but the money didn't matter. No, the it, kids no. mattered. The results mattered. The, you never, you never the relationships about it. Right. You mattered. never thought about money. You never talked about money. The only thing – you just you thought about what what do we have to do, what do you what do you want to do to be successful? How can we make this player better or that player better and make them a better better players on the field? And then during their off seasons and a lot of times, anytime you're bringing them in, you're doing goal sheets with them, you're talking to them, and it's not just about football. When you do that, you're talking about their life life experiences and where they want to go. And I remember myself growing up in the little town there and coming out of a, a small school. Nobody ever talked to us about that kind of stuff or set goals or talked about goals and goal setting, but we did a lot of stuff with goal setting and, and a lot of motivation stuff to motivate players to be motivated to come in and do the things they do. And uh, the big thing about it was the kids bought into it and that made it work. It wouldn't have worked if the kids wouldn't have bought into it. You could have thrown any idea you wanted out there, but if they don't buy into it, it's not going to work. And, and uh, you know, our kids bought into it. And if you think of your days, you know, as a coach and what you see now, the the parents' participation and the attendance is different because now parents, two parents have to work most of the time. Back in the day, sometimes one can work. Not saying they both didn't work, but if the, if the other parent worked, they didn't have to work the long hours. What do you think, how do you think that affects just even the relationships that you have to build with those players and the follow-up and follow-through? Yeah, some you know some of that you know you experience. I guess uh, the biggest thing is is where where uh, they're where they're not getting the meals at home when they get done with the practice and they go home and and they're you know they're they're working. There's somebody working at nights or they're doing nights and they don't get the meals and and different things like that. So I guess some of that was always important. But as far as any kind of dealing like that, I really never I had to deal with a whole lot of that type of thing. Uh, maybe I was fortunate in that regard, but, but, uh, you know, we, we always tried to do what was best for the kids and we always had what was best for the kids in mind when we did it. So, you know, I, I think that helped a lot. 
Now, of course, the way that we connected was you see my goal is to get these kids seen by one person, one coach, one eye that just might catch them when I'm sharing all the high school sports, no matter what team, what color they're wearing, anything. If they're an athlete working hard and trying to get to the next level, how does that feel as coaches? And do you wish that you had the social media that they have now for that access? Uh, I don't know. I think that's a double-edged sword in a lot of ways. Uh, I do like the fact that, that uh, you could promote them on the social media where we never had that opportunity back in the day. Basically back for us was when a coach come in the building and they talk to us, then they'd want film. I know I worked when I was at Wayne state, uh, we would get film from the high schools and I'd have a stack of film on my desk and I'd put the film on to look at a player and evaluate a player on, on recruiting, you know, where today they, they are actually be on Twitter or, whatever, all these other stuff that they have, that the social media stuff that's out there, that these people, they can look at it and they could see something there that they really like. But we really never had that when I was doing that type of stuff. What do you remember of those uh, coaches coming into your high school? What was that? How important was it your relationship had to be just as strong for the kids to get a relationship? Oh, it, definitely. It was great. I mean, I, I have a lot of friends that recruited, you know, and I, I, I got to know people really well and and actually the old nebraska staff with with tom osborne and 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 frank solich and that bunch i knew every one of those guys you know i i meet them on the street and talk to them we knew one another well enough that they'd been in our school enough times to come in and and recruit your players and and same with 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 it didn't matter where you're coming from whether you're coming from kansas kansas state Kearney, wayne state or wherever it's from it was the same thing i mean we we tried to uh we tried to push our player that we had onto that coach, but their final thing's going to be is what that coach sees on film and what he determines. And then, and then he'll go listen to what the head coach has to say as far as uh, their attitude, uh, work habits, study habits, uh, just basically personality and stuff like oh, that. Oh, you mean there's stuff beyond just being the star athlete? Yeah, or... there is. <laughs> there really is. I, I don't know. Some people take a chance on, but there there really is. And, there is. and you you recruit. I mean, you spend a lot of time not only recruiting a player, but you recruit character as well. Well, and, and that's what I try to tell these kids, even when it comes to their social media. Like, one post could ruin anything that you thought you had yeah. as an opportunity. Right. That obviously wasn't a thing, but Back in the day, it was more of they could have got caught up doing something, whether it's going and being a kid and pulling cookies and getting pulled over by the local cop. Like, there's so much different avenues to get negative eyes on you. How did you remember talking to your players to pass on the importance of just staying engaged in what is successful for you? We always did. We, you know, we always talked about your choices and making the right choice and and you know basically uh do you care you know do you care do you care about your team do you care about your coaches do you care about your school your family uh do you care about this stuff and and do you believe do you believe in yourself and we tried to work the confidence thing and do different things like that that would 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 uh, bring bring them around to what we were hoping that we could get the best that we could out of them um that's as, as your job. I think his job as a coach is to get the most that you can out of the players that you have. And that's not always easy. It's not always said that way. When I, I went into Ord, Nebraska for my first head coaching job, 
And the funniest thing about it is that I didn't realize was that when I got there, they'd, I was the fifth guy that they'd offered the job to the first four turned it down. Oh, so we knew no. it was, a bad, I knew it was a bad job. Okay. And so we got in there and I'm, I'm in the, in court at that time was in the toughest class B conference in the state. And they had perennial powers at that time were Aurora and, and Grand Island Northwest and those type of schools. They were the perennial powers that we were running into. Uh, so, you know, and I come in there the first year and we've got 20 kids out for football and a class B school, 20 kids, 10 through 12 that were out for football and you kids ain't gonna win no <laughs> you can't even it. scrimmage yeah and then the next year it didn't it didn't improve so we played sophomores and i think we won one game that year my second year we won one game and we lost eight but we never lost by more than six points in any game we were in every game right to the end and we were playing all sophomores and then after that we didn't lose we did really well after that so the the point is i think my one of my best years of coaching was that year that I went one and eight, not, not necessarily the 13 and zero and the 12 and zero years that we had the, the, the one and eight team that I coached might've been the best year I ever coached because you developed, because we, you, we made those, those kids competed and they competed hard. And I know we went into a, we went into a game against Grand Island central Catholic at that time. They were class B at that time. And they ended up beating us. They ended up beating us uh 13 to seven at their place and we went home and that stuff of course we didn't qualify the playoffs the playoffs start and lexington's playing gi gi uh cc in the in the first round and they're and they go against lexington and they beat lexington 45 to nothing now that tells us something lexington's good enough to be in the playoffs we win one game we take them within six points they get beat 45 to nothing. So that, that kind of you're on the right that, track yeah we were doing the right things and then the next year we knew we were going to be good you know, we knew we were going to be okay because we had all those kids back for two more years. So we knew we were going to be good. We just didn't know how good or, or how far, how far everything was going to go, and hopefully no injuries and and different things like that. Because there's a lot of other stuff that affects that. But that's that's what really got us going. And then we were successful enough while we were in order to to win some games, get into the playoffs, do the things we did, got to the semis one year, uh, one game away, close game, one game away from going to the championship. And uh, so we were, you know, very, very good with that. And that's what got me a chance to, to come to Papillion and, well, and, and coach and at Papillion. I'm glad you brought that up. What, what do you remember about even the opportunity to get back to Omaha? How did that even come about for yourself? Well, when I originally, when I was at Omaha Gross, and I was there three years and we would go to football clinics and that, and we'd talk with other coaches and that Stan Masitis was the head coach at, at Gross at that time. And, I'd go with Stan to some of the clinics and that, and I'd talk to different coaches and Roger Higgins, who was at Bryan at that time. And the, and there's just different coaches that have been around forever that are way, way, even much older than I am, believe it or not. And uh, when I, when I talk with them, I always asked them, what do you think I should need to do for myself to ever be a head coach? And they always said, you need to go, you're going to have to go out of the Metro and prove yourself and come back in. That's what they told me. And so when the opportunity arose, I applied for that or job and, and uh, like I, you know, the rest of the story, <laughs> I got it. I don't know if it was a, I learned so much. I learned so much from that experience that I had the five years I was there that when I went into Papillion, it was, we were in the state championship my second year in Papillion, played, played prep for the state title. So, so I, uh, you know, I knew 
I, I, I was ready for, for whatever we ran into at Papain because I'd been through it all at Ord. Well, when you do it with a smaller team and you build what you got at Papillion, what was the best part that you remember leaving as a legacy at Papillion uh, that you just hope that the teams took as they went into the future? Well, I think I, for me personally, I would hope that those players would, that the players would, would respect me as a coach and, and uh, you know, think that I did a good job. You know, I think that's, that's important to me is what the player, the players perceive about me personally. Uh, other than that, I, you know, I, I, yeah. I, Parents can have their thoughts as long as the kids are in the right state of mind. Right. And, and when you think of what's going on now in high school sports, um, some people call it recruiting Yeah. at a high school level. What does that feel for you being a coach that's retired, but you still care about these kids and because sometimes there's some false hope that is given out on from coaches and it kind of puts a damper on the sport sometimes because a kid might be promised, Oh, come to this school. We got you. Yeah. I think there's, there's a lot of that that's going on right now. Uh, kids are looking to go to a place that they feel is going to give them the opportunity to play on the next level. And some places you know, promise kids an opportunity to play on the next level if they go to school there. Uh, I'm obviously, uh, I keep a close eye on, on what's going on. I, uh, I still big solid papillion fan and, uh, like, like to, to watch the Monarchs and I know they're, they're doing a good job there. Uh, you know, that, that, I guess that's, that's a big thing. I, the recruiting thing we never did. We didn't do cause they had the rules. The rules were set up that, that, uh, I guess you could, you could, uh, you could come in early if you signed a paper, signed a paper and came in early to to join that school where you could come from, say, Ralston to Papillion. And we had a few of those players that have done that, but uh, not but very that, many. That's a class B to a class A. That right. You know, like, it's the same, but it's not the same. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's stuff that, that they could have got at Ralston that they weren't going to get at Papillion, but going from class B to class A, Obviously, in the in the area, we just have a lot of uh, where struggles are happening for some of the OPS schools. Is there any way to uh, fix that? Is there any way to? I talk. We've talked about that. I've talked about that with my friends too. I feel really bad for for some of the schools in the Omaha area uh, because their athletes had went followed a coach to another school, and or and or went to another school for this reason or that reason, and. And uh, yeah, it, it it really hurts those programs. It doesn't help the overall uh, overall the Metro Conference as as a whole when you're playing these teams. You know, if you're playing against teams that you know you're going to go into, and and uh, I don't know if you get any better playing teams that that aren't real good like that either, because you're playing your reserves most of the game. But uh, uh, yeah, it's 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 really uh, it's it's here. It's now. Yeah, and, and uh, it's far, far further than I ever thought it would ever be. I never dreamed it would be as gone as far as it has now. And, and and of course, as you see when when it comes to the high school realms, them getting to play in Lincoln, how do you feel like those connections are starting to build back up? Do you feel like being a coach and seeing the struggles as coaching? How do you distinguish yourself? And, and like for me, sometimes like when I look at the Huskers losing. I coached at Omaha South, so I know like losing, I know how it feels. 
but I'm looking at the progression that players are making, or are these players getting the opportunity to make it to the next level? Maybe the wins aren't coming. I mean, I interviewed Jojo Doman and, and that was a guy who had to play for three different defensive coordinators and have to prove himself every time that he was worthy enough to be on a team. Like, like some people just look at it as wins and losses instead of, and is it the coaching isn't us? Is, is that what makes us look at it that way? Yeah. Well, you want to win. Obviously, if you're not winning over a period of time, if, if you haven't been able to, to prove that you can be successful, chances of you being in that position aren't going to be there. You're not going to be there very long, even in high school football, where, where you're, the main part of your salary is a teacher. You're not graded off that. You're graded off how your football team's doing on Friday night. Yeah. Uh, and that, that really goes into it. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's <clears throat> with these with with the way things are today with the with the kids and the and and coaching. Uh, I I just I don't know. I just felt like if we we wanted to get you know when I looked at film from a game whether you win or lose. First of all, I, I looked at if you lost a game, if you look at the film, how do we get what do we do wrong? How do we get better? What can we do to change what we're doing? Uh, how the, grade each player. We graded every every snap that every player played at Papillion all the while I was there. We never we all we graded every snap, every step they took, and everything they had to do everything just right, or they got a negative mark, and that's how that's how we worked with them. And and uh, hopefully, you know, we were able to make them better football players by doing that, challenging them and 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 putting them out there and doing that so that they have to be accountable to the rest of the team and to to the the program itself. Now, of course, there's coaches that have gone, left, and came back. Did that ever cross your mind to ever come back? Was it an offer? Did anybody ever talk to you about coming back as a head coach and coach again? No, I I have not been uh, approached that I can think of. I'm not sure. I've had offers in college. I When I got done with uh, Wayne State, uh, just a little bit on the Wayne State thing, I lived in – my wife did, did not want to live – and Wayne when, when we were moving from Papillion. And so I, uh, it's a big lifestyle change. And, and Dan McLaughlin was the head coach at Wayne state at that time. And I competed against Dan. He was at Millard West yeah. while, while he was in the Metro, we became friends. And Dan called me up one afternoon. I was, I was in the weight room, uh, at Papillion. He called me up and said, and asked me if I'd be interested in being his OC. And I thought, wow, this is a good experience because I really wanted to see how I could stack up in a college game because I knew I'd done all right in high school and I wanted to see how am I going to stack all up right, in college 200 offense. wins just you okay know, I want to I want to I want to try to do it you know so I go so so uh Dan gives me the opportunity well my we had to go back to my hometown of Creighton and we build a house so I drove 61 miles to Wayne every day and home I'd leave in the dark and come home in the dark and I did it for four years and after four years, I just got, gosh, darn it. I got, there's got to be something better. And then Daryl Morris, who was at UNK at Kearney, he wanted me to come out and help him. And he'd offered me no, a number of times. He'd offered me the OC job out there, but I'd never, I didn't take it. Uh, I stayed at Papillion. That's when I was at Papillion because I'd had other offers to leave Papillion to college. And I, I never, I just uh, stayed at Papillion. I was happy where I was at. It was a good job. Nice, happy where I was at. Well, then I ended up taking the, going to Kearney for a year and being a quality control coach for at UNK. So I did that for a year. And then I got out again because Daryl actually, Daryl got fired. 
at the end of that year. So, so I'm back free again. And Creighton, uh, the little town of Creighton, the superintendent was the head coach and he moved on to central city, Nebraska. So they had no coach and they're looking around. There's no teaching position because the former coach was a superintendent Oh no! and the superintendent they hired wasn't a football coach. So, uh, the kids came to my house, knocked on the door and asked me if I wanted to be their coach. I thought, Oh man, I don't know if I want to get back into this head coach and let alone eight man football. So I said, <laughs> all right, I took a job. So I'll do it one year. I did it three years. I coached them three years. We had three great years. Uh, I think we won 31 games and lost three in three years. I mean, it was a good ride. It was fun. Uh, and I enjoyed those kids at Creighton and it was a lot of fun. So that was a head job that I'd had since I'd left Papillion. But then when I, when, when that was all over with, uh, I came down and I worked and helped a year with Tim Williams at, at, uh, at Papillion La Vista and did different things like that, but not being a teacher and, and not being involved in a lot of the other stuff that we got, that we have going on. Uh, you know, I just had to step aside and, and, uh, We'll kind of watch now and, and see what's going on and keep keep track of things. I helped a little bit this year with Bellevue West. Uh, I helped them for well up until last weekend, but then oh, we've got uh, I've got family obligation. We're heading to we're heading out of town uh, this week, this coming week. We'll be gone for a week in the middle of the season, and so I just kind of slid out the door. I was okay. an unpaid unpaid assistant doing everything I've done since I've been there. I've not taken any money for. Yeah, as I just do it just because love I of the game. just do it because I love it, and uh, I did that. So now I'm back to being retired again. I'll probably just stay that way now. Now, not everybody gets to have a child that follows in the footsteps. Like I said, when we started, your daughter, I watch her coach softball. What does it mean to see your your daughter do her thing Whoa. and be a mentor? Oh, I mean, what she did was something that I could never do. I'll tell you that right now. She's 10 times better than I ever dreamed of being. But just the fact that she took the job at Omaha South, and Omaha South is is uh, known for soccer. Yes. They're soccer players. They're not softball players. They really aren't football players. But they're yes. soccer players. They have good basketball there, but, th but they don't. And, and she took a job at a school that, like she told me, she says, I talked to her about things. She says, Dad, we have simple goals. Simple goals. We teach them how to run the bases, catch the ball and stuff. If we score a run, that's a victory for us. And that's yes. how. And she coached there for I don't know how many years. And the one year she had a good year. The one year I think she won eleven and lost ten. And that was the most wins that Omaha South softball teams ever had. She went over to Buena Vista and took it one year there, and of course got whopped on every time. But how she could take it was beyond me because there's no way. I could go out there and have somebody just whooping me every week. And there's not really a whole lot you see. Can do and, and especially with the credentials, I mean, the softball program has been great for Papillion for oh, so yeah. long, yeah. even when she was there. I yeah. mean, there, there's so much history. Well, they were four time state champs and she was a four time all stater at, at <laughs> yes, Papillion, she was. you know? So, I mean, it, uh, to, but now to be able to give back to these kids. Oh yeah. And, and, and she, that's the thing she did so much. Then those kids loved her. Their parents loved her. I mean, that's why I say, and she, you know, she kept her head up. She never got down in the dumps and, and uh, I could be in a, have a great year and lose one game and, and be like the world come to an end, you know, and, and walking around feeling sorry for yourself and all this stuff. She never was like that. That's why I say that there's no way that I could do what she did. She did far, far, far greater 
she ex, her experiences were far greater than mine ever would have been. So, of course, you said you've kind of had little connections here or there. What's been your favorite adventure so far that you've gotten to experience? It? And what's the thing that you're going to remember uh, when you finally do hang it up from from any of the football? You mean the football? I'm, I'm going to remember the players. And that's, I do that to the day I remember the players. And I, I'm not a big social media guy, but I, we do have Facebook. And, <laughs> and, I, and my daughter's got me on Facebook. And so I can follow our players. My yeah. players are all on Facebook. So I can keep track of what they're doing, their jobs, their families, their kids growing up. Now we got kids. Actually, when I was helped a little, the year I helped there with, with Tim, there were players that kids were playing at Papillion that I coached. It was just incredible how I didn't realize I was that old. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, and so, yeah, it's those are the things. The players are what I remember the most. That That's the neatest thing about it. Uh, there's no question that, uh, uh, you know, it's it's nice to be a win, to win. It's nice to have some of the allocates that, that you can get with comes with winning and stuff, but you don't get any of that without those kids. You don't win any championships without those kids. You don't win any of that stuff. So it, it all boils down to the what I have, uh, my feelings for those players. I love those kids. They're just like family to me, whether I see them every day or not. They're like family to me and I'd do anything for them. See, and I, I think sometimes people get so caught up in what team, who they play for, and they forget about the person themselves. When you look at some of the negative parts of social media, when a kid decides they want to go to this university, as a coach, what what's some of the things you've might have had to talk to people when they make a decision that not everybody experiences? Not everybody goes. I got all these schools to choose from for D1 football, but I got to choose one. And I only say it, I watched it with Noah Fant. Once he chose Iowa, everybody started dogging an 18-year-old. Obviously, social media is different nowadays than back in the day, but what, what's some of the things you, you've seen or talked to the kids about to get through Well, that? I always talk to them. If they, had, if they were fortunate enough to have more than one school offer out there, you know, I would always sit down with them and, and try to, I said, you know, talk to them about sitting down with their parents and their family and drawing up a sheet of paper with pros and cons on it and draw up the pros and cons on each program. What you see as far as distance, you know, can mom and dad get to the game? Uh, are, is it important that, uh, that the people in Omaha follow your career when you go to college? Is that important to you? Because some kids, it's real important yeah. that they follow. But if they go to down to a school in uh, down south or or wherever we aren't going to follow them you're yeah. not going to be able to follow them because you don't that's have why it. i love what i do because so, i shared like uh um miss lewis from omaha north who's now playing in puerto rico basketball in the in the semi-pro she's mvp but no one would follow her because no, she went south right, and then she went and played right. syracuse and you're like these stories are so important because she found her place yep. I know and rooted where she is that I, I had a player. I could it just off the top of my head. I had a player that had an opportunity you had scholarship offers, a lot of D two offers, and he narrowed it down to two choices. It was either UNO when UNO had football Man. and Northwest Missouri state and Northwest Missouri state was a, was a national power. So if you're going to go to Northwest Missouri state, you're going to a winner, probably going to get a ring, all the good things that go with that winning, you know, or you go to UNO that were, they were okay. They weren't bad, but they weren't national champs or anything like that. And, I, and one of the things I said to the young man, I said, how important is it that people follow your career? 
Because if you're at UNO, they're going to know a little bit more about you than when down at Northwest Missouri State. And they, that's how they made. He went to UNO. I wasn't trying no. to talk him into going to UNO. No, but it's. it's but I mean, it's I try to make them understand. Look at it. Yeah, give them, give them an idea what they're, what they're facing. For example, I'm going to go out and play at, uh, play football for Oregon. Well, that you know, great. It's going to Oregon, but really, you know, your family and friends, chances of them seeing you are are going to be slim. You know, sure, they're going to make it, try to make it to a game, but as far as every game, they're not going to be there. You yeah. know, and and I know parents that. That, that that had kids that played at Wyoming that had kids that played at high school and they went to the Friday night game to watch their one of their sons play and jumped in a rented van and headed to Wyoming to watch their the other son play the next day drove all night to watch that game I mean you those just are brought committed up like people. one of my most pet peeves though what about like this Friday what do you think Friday football games at a college level I yeah I don't like that I it I, hurts yeah well what it, it, is, it hurts right? attendance. Uh, at a you game. got parents that got to choose. Yeah. Well, I think, and not only that, but just the fan. You know, a lot of people that come to those games aren't parents. They're they're fans. They're they're alumni or just somebody that's interested in watching a good high school football game, and they come out and and when they have that, they're going to stay home and watch There's that only game one on Friday. TV. You could do it, and that's Black Friday to me yeah. for yeah. for at least this area. Yeah, because like, it's because that's when the season's over. And, and, but this is all we have. We we only have. The Cornhuskers, and we only have, you know, high school sports. We don't have the NFL. We like right. so us missing a game. Like it's bad enough. I DJ, so then sometimes I have weddings on Saturday, and those people just don't think get through all the way when they want to get married on a Husker Saturday. Um, they're just not Husker fans, but that's okay. Uh, but I, I'll get you out of this, out of here on this last question. When you look back at your players. And I know one we spoke of, um, not on the show, but just in a message like Coach Clemenger, and you're seeing some of your players be coaches. How does that relationship uh, really take another turn for you and help you? Do you still communicate sometimes with them? Is is a Saturday coffee yeah, a, you, a, a you time try. to meet up with Coach? You know, <laughs> well, is you, that... you try to. Uh, the the thing with that I remember a lot of kids that I have that have played for me are in coaching. Uh, Tim Clemenger's at, at Papio South. He's done an outs- outstanding job there. Chad Fox is at Wahoo. They're undefeated right now. Uh, Fox has won a championship. He's done really good. He's Tom Allen's at Crofton. He's he's coaching eight-man ball. They went from 11-man to eight-man on enrollment. He's doing a great job. And, uh, I had Kevin Cush, who did an outstanding job at Boys Town. And, uh, just, and then uh, Jimmy Glagowski was a great little player for me. He's the head coach of the University of Sioux Falls. Okay. Now, so, yeah, I mean, we've had, and Taiwo Anatulu, a great linebacker for me. He's a linebacker coach at the University of Kansas. Chris Norris is a running back coach. At, and, you know, they just, I could go on and on and on about a lot of the kids that are playing, they're coaching in college or in, in high school that played for me. And it's, it, I'm, no, we don't get to go out and have coffee, but I follow them and, and I'm their biggest fan for sure. When I get a chance to see them, we're going to, we sit down and we talk, but, uh, Obviously, they're very busy right now. Yes, so. they are. Well, once again, this is a Herd App production of Wired Access Podcasts. I'm greatly to have one of the head coaches from Papio Monarchs, Gene Sir. Man, you won a lot of games with Papio. You made it, like you said, exactly the environment. It takes one coach to really care about the kids and the experience that these kids get both on and off the field that will be that difference. So when you think of football and you want to go, 
oh, it's just all this barbaric stuff. It's just all people just crashing. There's so much more to the game, whether it's a coach that gives his time, gives his thoughts, and builds a future for your athlete. You'll never know that connection unless you really listen to what your kids have to say. Once again, I'm DJ K-Dub Omaha, and we'll see you next time.